This is Conversations on the Arts. I'm Mary Krieger. I am thrilled to have as my guest today Anthony Hernandez. Anthony Hernandez has been exhibiting his photography since 1970. He was the winner of the 1998 Rome Prize, which produced the book Pictures for Rome. His other books include Landscapes for the Homeless, Sons of Adam, Landscapes for the Homeless Two, and Everything, an Exploration of the Los Angeles River. The Vancouver Art Gallery produced a survey of his work in 2009. SFMOMA is currently organizing a retrospective. First of all, I wanted to ask you, can you tell list a couple of the other books that I may not have mentioned here? Yes. There are so many books about your work. You didn't list this book, uh, Waiting for Los Angeles. And then this book, Sitting, I mean, Waiting, Sitting, Fishing, and Some Automobiles. This is all black and white, early, uh, late, late, um, 70s, early 80s work. So tell us about this work, Waiting, Sitting, Fishing, and Automobiles, and the beginnings of your journey in photography. Well, this book happened because I was, uh, just a number of years ago, I was at the Paris uh, Photo Fair, and uh, I have a dealer there. And, and who is your dealer? Uh, his name is Bernard Utujin. He's in his gallery called Gallery Polaris. And he was selling some of my early black and white work. Agnes B. bought some of my early work. When I was there, Michael Abrams, nothing to do with Abrams Publishers, but he, he started to publish books. And I had just met him in Paris. And he asked me, because he was looking for book projects, he asked me, did I have any work that uh, I hadn't published? I said, yeah, I have a lot of work I haven't published. And I, he said, well, can you send me some? I said, sure. So I sent him some 5 by 7 proofs. And this is what this book is. All, all work from 5 by 7 view camera work. I did black and white. What do you mean by 5 by 7 you're talking about? The, the, the size. Camera, the, the, size the, the format. In other words, it's 35 millimeter black and white, 2 and a quarter, the next size up, medium format. And then the next size up is 4 by 5. And then the next size up is 5 by 7. So these were highly, highly res high, high resolution uh, photographs. Well, yeah. The, well, the negatives were, were uh, big negatives, a five by seven inch. And how do you? This has been a format for you, or ha or has it been? Um, well, I've used a lot of different formats, and I, that's what I really like. In other words, I'm switching from, uh, you might say, the palette. It's a, a big palette, a large palette. So I'm using two and a quarter. Uh, not so much 35 anymore, but two and a quarter, four by five, mostly, and six by seven. So I, I mixed it all up. And in fact, this last weekend I was photographing with three formats simultaneously at the same time. And what kind of cameras do you use? Uh, a Hasselblad, a Mamiya, a Deerdor, and different lenses for each camera. So um, when I'm when I'm working, I mean, this project that I'm working on now. It's really fun because I have so much to work with. And it's just the problem is I'm trying to figure out switching. So you switch your camera, you switch the lens, and then you're photographing things in a very different way. But the result is you have to be very, very flexible and fluid and if things are really happening. Uh, so it's not one camera, one view, you might, or one viewpoint. It's like trying to think ahead. So when you're looking, you're constantly thinking, am I going to photograph this with this camera and what format? And, and it's really quite wonderful. And I think of it as a very fluid way. And I've been working that way in a very fluid way for a long time. But 
Anyway, when I sent Michael the five or seven contact prints, little five or seven contact prints, he said, let's do a book. And I said, well, the problem is I have a lot of these, some of these negatives I sent you, the contact. I haven't actually printed them. I've, in other words, I never, and I don't have a dark room anymore. So what happened... So how do you, so, what, so you send your work out to be, to be printed? Well, the, uh, the prints, this, this work was done in the late 70s, very early 80s. So I stopped having a dark room in 1985. And so I, anything I printed, I printed before then, or up to that point. And I don't, I don't print anymore. And I don't shoot black and white anymore. But that work, uh, I told Michael, I said, well, I only have so many of these prints. I didn't make that many of each one. So I don't want to give you my originals for reproduction. So what are we going to do? So what happened is John Gossage, who produced this book or designed it, he had a 5x7 enlarger. He took my negatives and he made new prints for reproduction. That's how we did the book, because I didn't have to touch my original 1620 vintage prints that I printed myself. And John made all the prints for reproduction. In fact, he printed some stuff that I never printed myself, and this book. And so this started this whole, uh, you know, venture. But the interesting thing about this book, I didn't have anything to do with this book. In other words, I didn't design it, I didn't lay it out, I didn't pick the pictures. You took the photographs. I took the photographs. <laughs> I sent John 110 <laughs> negatives. He picked 43. But John designed it, laid it all out. And um, Jerry Badger, who's a writer from England, uh, Michael knew, and um, he got him to do the introduction. But actually, I didn't see the book until it was shipped to me, mm. and it was done. The waiting, sitting, fishing, and so in other words, there's four bodies of work in here. Pictures of people waiting for the bus, public fish on public transit area. It seems like your subject matter of the city, the city, the city, the city of, and very often the city of. It's not always because you did Rome, right, and other cities, but um, the city of Los Angeles. Um, it seems to be. A, a, is that your subject? Yes, I mean I think of LA as my uh, big studio. So today I'm going to work in this corner of the studio, which is. Compton or whatever, and um, because I was born and raised here, I think the L.A. it takes um, so long to actually, you know, kind of get to know it and like it. I mean, you really have to love it to be all out, out there photographing, you know. And uh, the only photographer I ever bumped into when I was actually making pictures, even when I was photographing street photographs, was Gary Winogrand. Yes. And I'd bump into him in downtown, or the beach, or Beverly Hills, Hollywood, and I knew him, so yes. it was great. You so know, tell me about your relationship with Gary Winogrand. Well, I met him actually in 1970. I went to New York, and I just called him up to say I wanted to meet him. So I did. Went over to his apartment, and met him, looked at pictures, met his son, and then we walked from his apartment. Uh, down through the zoo, down to MoMA, and uh, just hung out with him. And then I met Tom Papachurch, a friend of his. And uh, that was just a few days in New York. And that's how I met him. And then later when he moved here, we became, you know, obviously more uh, friends. Even though I bumped into him here and there from 1970s to other places, but when he actually moved to L.A., he was the only guy that I actually... Always bumped into, them. and we always have, we would always have coffee after. 
the last time I saw him was in Beverly Hills, and I did my book, Beverly Hills. And uh, he was photographing up there, and that's the last place I saw him, actually. Um, he had been in New York, and I told him I hadn't seen him. How, how was it going? And he said, uh, something was off. It's, it's interesting, because right after that, he found out he had cancer. So he could obviously physically feel something was off in terms of him photographing, whatever, how he was photographing, something was, was stopping him, so to speak. Yes. Yeah. 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 But he was a great guy, and they're doing a retrospective. He, his work for a long time, I think he's so important. It seems like finally, he, a lot of his works were out of print a couple of years ago. Now they're, they're all in print, and they're, right. you know, they're, they're back getting the attention they deserve. Right, and this, this show that's opening next month, actually in March, opens at SF Home, 300 photographs. And, um, is your work going to be near that work? Or, or, or no, no, time? no, it's no, no. It's a, well, you know, they're closing. It's a moment closing. They're closing to uh, for this big expansion. I see. So the, my show, they're trying to organize it so that it opens in Europe. It'll, it'll be traveling. It's going to end up, because of their closing and their expansion, sometime in 2016. Tell me about your process. Like, how often do you go? You I try to go uh, every day if I could. I'm just I'm kind of busy right now doing all kinds of stuff. I'm printing for a lot of uh, Yale University art galleries, buying a bunch of my work. And so I'm printing stuff for them. And um, this portrait, uh, Eamon Carter is buying that for their museum. Mm. And one thing led to another. That's a great collection, isn't it? Yeah, that's, that's what I, they I have. A, I, actually, I love Elliot Porter, so they have the. Big Elliot Well, they also have all those, uh, you know, Abaddon thing because they, oh, they, they? they they were the people that, uh, that commissioned them to do the American West, you know, that oh, whole I didn't project. Know that. Yeah, so they have the complete set. I think they only did three sets and they have one. So are they collecting your work? Yes. Well, with, uh, they're buying that piece, and uh, the the curator and the director asked me, was I doing other work? And I said, I'm doing a lot of other work out in the desert. So the curator's coming in. in um, May, excuse me, uh, April, to, because we're thinking of doing a little show mm -hmm. of my desert pictures, which will include that portrait, because that's the first picture. But all the other pictures are of all these different kinds of things, you know. Um, I call it discarded. All the stuff that's discarded out in the desert, things, parts of landscapes, trees, just all kinds of different things. It's, and it's really interesting. But that's what I'm working on right now. I wanted to ask you, why do you call your uh, books Landscapes for the Homeless? For the Homeless. Why the word for? And, and pictures for Rome. Uh, why is it called for instead of... Yeah, because uh, I thought of uh, the Landscapes for the Homeless when I was going to make that work. Um, a way of looking at landscapes, to me... Um, Right, exactly. What, why do you call them landscapes? It's another story. Right. Another, well, another because, story. because the landscapes, for instance, uh, to me, uh, in terms of the, the genre, people always making these pictures of landscapes, they weren't about anything to me. You know, I mean, in, mo in most cases, uh, except for obviously certain people uh, in terms of the history and in more contemporary people like Bob Adams or something like that, who I know. But I wanted to make pictures that were... Uh, about something, meaning uh, how people survived, 
how people got used a site, a place. So the title is my gift to the people that were actually having to sleep under a tree or whatever in an empty lot. It's like giving them back, saying, these are their landscapes, so these pictures are for them. It seems to me, first of all, there aren't people in a lot of these pictures. No, no. In other words, maybe there were more in the beginning. No, this is all photographs of people. The early work is people. But then you're moving into pieces that look like you're looking from the point of view of the person on the street. Yes, well, this last body of work, which is called Forever, and the reason it's called Forever in my first book of Landscapes for the Homeless, I'm quoted saying, Forever Homeless. And that's what Louis Baltz used in terms of our dialogue. Forever Homeless, which is my quoting, he's quoting me. And I wanted to use that, but I wanted to drop the homeless just with the ideas forever. It's always been there. If you go back to the history of Rome, they're always talking about this huge population of homeless people coming into Rome, you know, and what to do with them. You know, it's a problem back then. It's always been with us. So the idea of my title, Forever, was I made a lot of that work, but it was like looking down, looking at the evidence of somebody sleeping on this bed. Now I wanted to turn it around and look at, are these actual homeless sites? No matter what it is, whatever I photograph, it's actually from somebody's chair, a bed, a place. And actually some of the pictures were actually photographed where I'm actually, because my camera can lay flat in the tripod. So I'm actually in a bed. And you're using a tripod. Yes, all the tripod. So I'm in a bed, I'm sitting on a chair. I actually have to ask somebody, could I, and it's the only person I ask, could I photograph from his site? He said, sure. I said, but I need to photograph from your chair. So he had to get up. And then I sat down in his chair to make a picture from what he was looking at, something he could see. And that's the picture. And I have some other pictures that were made just like that, but obviously people weren't there. But that one time, that was the best, that was the site, you know, his chair. So I wanted to look at L.A., and all these pictures are all of me. Most of them are actually made from downtown L.A., working, going south toward like Compton, Watts, that whole stretch, all the way to Imperial Highway. You might say these poor areas of L.A. that that I hadn't actually photographed very much. I wanted to look at it and see what was there when I started photographing this idea. There was more and more of it, but it just took time. So I started in 2007, and I just finished in 2012. So what originally gave you the idea to take pictures? From their point of view. From their point of view. I mean, what was the earliest... Well, this is actually starts from here. If you look at this, waiting, sitting, I mean, this is a cover of a welfare office. Yes, and it's so abstract, it's pure abstraction. Right, but the point... Talk about that photograph. Well, because that, and the reason I got interested in doing this is my car broke down in L.A. And when your car breaks down, you're walking more, right? So I was walking, 
And this welfare office is right around the corner from where I live. It's not there anymore. They moved. But I used to walk by this every day a lot. And so what happened, when my car broke down, I said, you know, I've been meaning to photograph this. I kept saying that, but I didn't. Finally, I said, I have to photograph this. And the other thing is that, that there was always a line, a big line. Always, you know, if you're going out in the morning, you say, oh, there's that line. It's the welfare office. It goes all right around the corner. I actually did photograph that first, this is the first picture of that site. Yeah. And um, I call the waiting line because I was looking what, at what they were looking at, as if I was in that line. And so I started going to all these different welfare offices all over, making these kinds of pictures of what they see. So actually this started from that body of work. So it's basically a detail. A detail. A detail of, of a of, real place. Of a real place of, of, of tile, correct? Yes. And then the next thing you have is, is signage. Yeah. Of what these people see when they come to the welfare office. Can you describe what, they, what that is? Again, it's the... The most right in your face, uh, starting with uh, don't what you can't bring in. Right. You know? And I, th I thought of it as a. Uh, uh, I mean, you have almost like an abstract. It's like an abstract photograph. It could be, you know, a grid, you know, with color, very right. lush, right. beautiful. But then you have this. The next one is horrifying with this uh, text. Yeah, warning all persons, packages, and baggage entering this facility are subject to search. And you realize that if you go to these places, there's a lot of security there. I mean, because there's always a lot of problems. You know, there, and people are there getting upset, and if something happens, they're kicked out. You know, and so basically, it's, uh, when you think about it, it's just poor people yes. having to deal with the city and deal, just deal with their lives. So I wanted to just look at that and look at it um, because nobody else is looking at it, at that kind of thing, but how to, how to do it photographically and make it, it's, it's like, you might say the, the details of these uh, welfare officers, they're really so ordinary, you know, the stuff, but to make a picture of them so the picture is not so ordinary. Yes. Yeah. You might say trying to make it extraordinary. Trying to make it art. Yeah. I mean, I tried right. making it art. Right, right. And that's the whole idea of saying, um, when you're looking at pictures, so if, if, where's the art? And if you don't see the art, then it's not working. But you've been close to so many important... I mean, your friends with all, the, all these people. When I think about who's written yes. for your books. Right. You have Alice Kula. Right. Um, you have Louis Baltz, you have, I mean, it's just on and on. Right, right. With, um, in terms of the support. No, no, I have People to. who yeah. have such, you know, respect and honor for you. The whole idea of abstraction in your work, it's true, you are taking the, I would call, is it right to call them street photographs? Oh, yeah, and I, you, I, I, think, I think of myself as still a street photographer. Yeah. You're a street photographer, and yet there's sort of this ambit, like in certain pictures, like when I saw the pieces that were in the art fair, they're yeah, ambiguous. I mean, yeah, they're ambiguous. I mean, right. I look in, the, I looked at them, and I was like, I wasn't sure what it was. Right. And then, and they stood so lush in terms of the color and the and the printing, mm -hmm. you know. And, right. And 
So you think it's an abstract piece. And I actually asked if they were manipulated, which they aren't, apparently. You never manipulate. I mean, they're pretty just straightforward pictures. It's not like I'm taking anything out or just changing it so much where it's transformed. No. But you are showing details of a city that other people wouldn't see. Right. So that idea of abstraction, where did that come from? Well, I think, again, it's when you think of the, because I love the square, obviously, that format. And it's a very formal format and a difficult one also. But to me, I think it's a very rich one. And in L.A., when you think about the city and if you had to be homeless, it's a way of discovering what's out there. And it's so rich. One way of, my way of looking at it is that it gives me a chance to, it's like an outline. So there's the people that have been to all these different sites. I find the site and then I try to make a picture. Not all the time do they work for me. Obviously, I go someplace and there's nothing I see that I make a picture. But a lot of them, to me, it's just, it's so rich. And to make a detail of it, like that fence and the one over there in the corner. Well, the fence, one of the reasons it drives, because I have a lot of pictures of fences, is because homeless people are against the fence. It's a fence to keep them out, but it's also somewhere where they're safe up against. And there also, there's a way of like putting a tarp, tie it in. There's all these different ways of using a fence. But a fence is something that's, they're always confronted with. We are too, when you think about it, in terms of the city and security and all that. I love trying to make this palette, this abstract, minimalist palette. But the idea is that it wouldn't be, they wouldn't be shown just by those abstract pictures. They'd be shown in terms of a larger body of work. So it'd be mixed up. It wouldn't be just that picture or that picture. There would be all the other pictures that are, so in terms of it being ambiguous, well, not when you see a larger body of work. If you single out a couple of them, well, then you can say, well, that's just a very abstract picture. What is that about? Right. So basically, you're juxtaposing an abstract picture with a picture of a subject matter as the next image. Yeah. So do you feel these have a political, are you giving a political message in these pictures? Well, yeah, they're very social. I mean, that's what it's about. But my point is that it's like a challenge. In other words, I'm interested in the art. I'm interested in, so yeah, it can be about a social problem, homelessness, poor. I mean, political activism. Yes. Is that what you're doing or not so much? Well, no, I'm just saying that the subject matter is, might say, difficult to try to make pictures that are really about something. Maybe that's what I'm interested in. But also, you don't sacrifice the art that drives it. So that's, to me, I'm interested in that. And I've been interested in that in lots of different bodies of work. And that is a challenge to make something 
work that way for you. Yes. It transcends the subject. Yeah, right. Like when I saw the pieces in the art fair, Peter Bartlett's booth in there, it was a piece which when I first saw it, I walked into the fair, I was like, wow, you know, it was just... And there's a piece which was cardboard, and I thought it was gold. And then there was another piece of a tree, like a bark of a tree, but there was a splash of gold on it. I thought, that can't be real. It's real. Do you know what I mean? It can't be real. It has to be, you know, color corrected or something, because it was so perfect. Do you know that sort of splash of the gold paint on the tree? And apparently it is. It was a piece of gold paint on the tree. No, I think that, to me, that's the most incredible... I just made a picture recently with some of another body of work I'm working on in the desert. But out in the middle of the desert, to cut a long story short, there's just maybe eight or nine, ten oranges just out in the desert, just laying out there in the sunlight, raking light. Incredible, just to see something like that and then to photograph it. You know, it's just amazing what you just discover. But you have to go out and search for it. And all those pictures I've been making, even though that's a tree trunk, in the bottom of that tree, there's a big wire hung on that wire is where people can put plastic bags to hold food and stuff like that. So you maybe didn't miss it, you didn't see that, but that's... And the other thing is I shot it with a longer lens so that the wall behind it is being compressed next to the tree. And that wall has been graffitied in the city, whatever, is painted over parts of it. And so that's being smashed, compressed against the tree. So that, you've seen the picture, but it's, again, I'm pushing it because I'm shooting it with a longer lens. And if I shot it with a wide angle or a normal lens, you wouldn't have that effect. So it's pushing that color field, you might say, that plane and back to that tree. And that's where you get the thing going, well, yes, there is that yellow, but there are a lot of other things going on. I just have a picture I have to show you. From this body of work, I'll show it to you, but it's wild because when I first saw it, it happened so fast. Later, when I printed it, I said, oh, I mean, I must have seen that, but there's no time to, you don't stop and say, oh, I see the relationship or something, I see something happening. You just react, photograph it, and then later I think, wow, I was so pleasantly surprised, you know, that it worked, you know. But things are happening so quickly that there's no time to say, oh, I think that looks great, it's going to end up being a really interesting picture. Well, you don't even know what you're looking at, you know, actually, until after you get your film back, you know, I think. In terms of the way I work, it's a very fluid way. You just have to be ready. But anyway, what I was going to say is that detail. There is so much out there, and it's so rich. To me, it's just that you have to be out there again and again. And for some of these sites, what I wanted to mention is that I may have been at this one, there's a tunnel in Watts. There's a tunnel that trains go through. There are a lot of homeless people that actually 
have been camped out there, and we're always, the city comes in, kicks people out, you know. I must have been there a dozen times. The point was, I was going there, I never made a picture. But I kept going back. Finally, after times, I made one picture and it was great. And I was so happy with it, you know. And I ended up making it with a different camera, a different format. And it's the only one I've made so far with that camera and that format, which I really loved. And uh, I was just like thrilled after all that time. And I, I do that now. I, I've been going, you know, you, you go back to a place, you say, oh, something about the site, but you don't make a picture until finally something presents itself, you know. Or you didn't see it, it's been there all the time. And then all of a sudden there you make a picture, but you know you've been there many, many times and not made a picture, you know. But you're ready. That's why you have to keep going back through these different parts of the city. And you, yeah, you get to know yeah, somebody's always over there in the corner. And the other thing about being like, if you go on a Sunday, you go out to an Imperial Highway, you get way up, it looks like there's nobody out there. You're in, a, in this industrial wasteland. But no matter where you are, there's somebody looking at you. Believe me, there's somebody knowing you're out there photographing. Because <laughs> there's so many, so many homeless there in any place, they're looking at you. Because I've run into other people and said, Oh yeah, I saw you before. I mm. saw you before. And how do they feel about you? Actually, you their the, they, they're, very, very, they're very cool about it because they... They think it's interesting that uh, I would even think that there's something out there to photograph. No, I think it's uh, uh, another kind of thing where uh, I'm more aware that uh, when I'm out alone photographing, that I'm not alone. There are a lot of people out there. They're just everywhere. You know, it's, it's just a different place. Also, that not too many people were think about trying to photograph in. Compton, Watt, that part of the city, because one, it is dangerous, you have to be careful. I do have brown skin, it kind of helps. And, uh, but it's a really rich area. And you, you grew up? I was born and raised here, yeah. I was so, so where do you, where, when was the first time you picked up a camera? Uh, well, that's interesting. Like, what got you into it to begin with? Because I'm really self-taught. What happened is a friend of mine, I got kicked out of high school, out of Catholic school, uh, going into the, the seventh, going into the eighth grade. A friend of mine was all on drugs. I was trying to help him out of school because it was falling down in the hallway. And the nuns, you know, found us, caught us. But I wasn't on drugs at all. But they kicked me out because I was his friend. And my father was really, you know, pretty angry about the whole thing that I didn't actually do anything. Right. Except that I was his friend. And so, uh, he said, well, what do you want to do? And I said, well, can I go to public school? And he said, fine. He, I was still his friend, years later, uh, he's gotten a lot of trouble. And either, they said, either you go to some kind of training or you go to jail, prison. Wow. And so he went to this training program to become a nurse at East LA College. That's just to get out of jail, to go from getting out of jail. Right. But when he was there, 
and I was still in high school, he found this photo book, Photo 101, that's a Navy photo book, you know, beginning photography. And somebody had left it in the bathroom, and he gave it to me. He said, I thought maybe you'd, you'd, you'd like this. I had no idea about photography. I didn't know anything about it. And I had no idea about what I wanted to do either. It's not like I had a plan. I grew up also a lot of problems myself with drugs and later drugs and gangs and stuff like that. So that book, I thought, photography. Maybe I could do some photography. But I was thinking money and women, fashion, stuff like that. Kind of cliche thing. So I went to East LA College and enrolled in the beginning photography class. But to your question, the first uh, camera, I didn't have a Even the first photographs you took? No, I, well, I, I pull out my family's little, um, you know, old Hawkeye uh, Kodak camera. And uh, the interesting thing about it is that I got the camera in a 620 film, and I, I cleaned the camera. First thing I did, cleaned the camera, because it was dusty. Bought a roll of film, 620. And the interesting thing today, thinking about it, and I feel a little bad about it, is that I cut that roll of film, and there was an empty lot when I was always walking home from school. There was an empty lot next to an automobile repair place. That empty lot, they would just throw discarded uh, car parts, like there might be a drivetrain, uh, some other parts. They were just thrown in this dirt, empty lot. And that fascinated me, and that's what I photographed. Mm. I went there and made a series of pictures Kind of like what I do today. I made a picture, walked on another picture, another picture. So I moved in, in this empty lot, photographing at these objects, laying there. And then I try to make a picture of a tree. And then I developed a film. And uh, anyway, the sad part is that that film got thrown out mm. somehow. You know, like moving around stuff. But that was my first uh, picture making. And when I think about it today, uh, I didn't know anything about photography, I didn't know anything about art, I didn't know anything about anything, but that's what I was interested in. You know? And so I think later, even though I photographed people at the beginning, uh, downtown LA, where I grew up by the way, in other words, as a kid, went to all the, you know, to see films and just kind of hung out played in downtown LA, you know, Broadway. When I think about it, all the photographs of people is one thing, but when I started photographing without people, now, what I'm doing now... When did that start? Uh, started really um, 1986. That is actually the beginning of, you might go back to that first gesture, or that those first pictures of that empty lot. That's really where I started, but I got sidetracked with all the people. Yeah. And now... So what do you think happened if you changed your voice to, into, into not taking people? Uh, it was a, a pure accident. I, I, got, I was a, a visiting artist at the uh, University of Las Vegas in, in Nevada, and when I was going to go out there, I thought I was going to photograph in the strip. So I because I had just photographed uh, Rodale Drive. 
and I went out there. And what happened... And you published a book on it, yeah. Yeah. Years later, now. And published now, though. Oh, really? Oh. I made the work in 84. Oh, I see. It was only published now. So what happened is I went to Vegas, and now when I was just driving around Vegas, on the edge of Vegas, it's called Sunrise Mountain, at the base of that mountain, people go out and target practice out there. What people do out there is they just take stuff, whatever, it's an old TV set or something, and just go shoot it to see what happens when, it, when you shoot something, right? To, you know, to destroy it. Right. So I saw that, the ground, the desert, all the stuff that people have, have actually, you know, shot up. And it fascinated me seeing this stuff. And I started photographing that. I had to get a different camera. And I started photographing that, uh, uh, abstract details. And that just led into uh, other things. Actually, that led into Landscapes of the Homeless, looking down at stuff. And I never went back to people. It wasn't like I made a decision. Yeah. So what are you going to be showing in the San Francisco uh, retrospective? Yeah, well, it's, it'll start from the first uh, black and white 35mm street photographs. And w it'll probably end with these pictures, some of these pictures from forever. You know, um, we have to have some cutoff point. But we don't even have a checklist yet. And they're going to do a big book. So it's Who's writing the book? Well, uh, uh, one of the curators, besides Sandra uh, Phillips, is a, a gal by the name of Erin O'Toole. She's actually from L.A., and she's been up there, I think, five years. And she's going to be working on my show. And she's the one that's been working on the Gary Wintergrand show as well, yeah, as a curator. Wonderful. Yeah. Now, I wanted to ask you another thing. Um, I wanted to ask you about your color. Um, can you talk about your color in your work? Well, Because, um, I mean, the, the color was so lush in right. those recent pieces I saw. I mean, you move in and out of that. But right. Well, I think, you know... Um, I mean, why did you decide to move to color from black and white, actually, also? Well, that was, again, that was a, that's a, that's a real accident. Um, in, night, in the late... This is a true story. LA Magazine, they were going to do an article on uh, John DeVola, um Eileen Cowan, Robert Heineken, um, two of the two of the people, and so Robert Heineken said, you know, because I didn't have a gallery, I didn't, you know, I wasn't teaching. Right, Robert, Heineken, and it was about LA. Robert Heineken said, well, you should get a hold of you know Anthony Hernandez, you know, in LA. So they called me. So I met the um, director of or, for, the, for the magazine. Um, showed him my bus stop pictures. He said, great, L.A., you know, people waiting for the bus, black and white. So, and they were going to pay me to publish some of my own pictures with this big spread of, of Heineck and Tavola and Eileen Collin and myself. And one other, I forgot the other person. Anyway, he calls me and says, I'm sorry, but we're not going to use your pictures. I said, what do you mean, you're not doing the article? He said, no, we're doing the article. Put the drop in me. You know, and I said, "Well, what happened?" And he said, "Well, it was a director of the magazine who, I guess, thought the picture would be too depressing or whatever, right. or show L.A. and that light or whatever. You know, they were showing the other people Heineken's work in his studio and his little pictures. You know, about pictures. 
So he felt really bad about it. And he said, I know you don't do commercial work. I really feel bad, but maybe I can give you some work. And I thought, well, maybe that's a chance, because I wasn't making, I didn't have any money. Right. I thought, maybe I could start making some money. I, I could shoot color for the magazine and keep doing my black and white work, right? Right. So I said, but I don't, but I don't know anything about color. And I've never shot any color. So I said, well, I better start shooting some color and then go and show it to him and tell him, listen, give me something to shoot, but in color, so I can keep my black and white separate. And that's what I did. I went out trying to make some pictures in color. Nothing was working. And then I was in Beverly Hills trying to make some pictures there. And I, I, I made a picture, Look the first that. color picture I made. Wow. And that is quite scary. So when I made that picture, I said, wow. Yeah, and the colors are amazing, too. So I started photographing, right? My own pictures of Beverly Hills, I never thought about the guy. I never thought about LA Magazine. I never called. It was just, <laughs> it just, forget it. Yeah. So, it just happened. Are you going to show some of these as a tag Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I showed some in the Vancouver show. Wow. Yeah, Jeff Wall wrote, wrote the introduction. So, the, it ends with a few pictures of Rodeo. These are all the black and white early. So, how did you meet um, uh, Louis Valls, for example? I mean, well, I'll give you a few names. Yeah, Lu well, Louis, because we were in the. Um, I was my first show, uh, second um, three person show um, with Fred Parker at the, Pas the old Pasadena Museum. He was doing a show and he wanted to put, it's called a crowded vacancy, he wanted to put me, Louis Valls, and Terry Wilde. And Terry Wilde, nobody knows about him anymore because he left and you know, raised a family and did commercial work in, in I think, in Illinois. Anyway, um, I first met Louis then through Fred Parker uh, for this for that show, which got a lot of attention actually. Um, and that was 1972, and crowded vacancy, and he traveled to. From the Passing Art Museum, it was up at uh, UC Davis, and they did a little catalog. Well, the funny story is that when I I mean, started, how did you first get to, I mean, like, how did that happen, that, well, because, that Pasadena Art Museum Well, show? because what happened is, um, I was taking pictures, uh, you know, in 1969, because I got out of the Army in, in 1969 and just started taking photographs. You were in Vietnam, right? Yeah. Tell me a little bit about. I mean, can you well, too much when more? I went to, you know, I went to you to, like I said, I started at that photo one at um, East LA College. I didn't know anything about photography, but I, I got really excited about it, black and white. And actually, after a couple of um, a year, you know, I took a beginning photo, uh, advanced photo, one color photo thing, and then I just left. You know, because these were instructors there. They weren't, they, they didn't know anything about, um, you might say, fine art photography. And what happened when I was there, uh, I discovered Edward Weston. I mean, I didn't know anything about photography. And I thought, wow, I saw his pictures and I said, they were incredible. So I wanted to make pictures like that, meaning not nudes and things like that, but 
the clarity, the right. kind of vision. I would just say the way he saw things. Yes. You know, and what he chose to photograph. But anyway, I got really excited about Edward Weston and I wanted to make pictures. So I dropped out of school and just started making pictures. Then I got drafted. Mm. And anyway, cut two years later, well, less than two years later, uh, I got out of the service and started back where I left off, meaning I was trying to make pictures black and white. And then a friend of mine told me when I was here in 69, there's a curator at the Passing Museum. Uh, so I just went down there. It had a little box of prints. And the, uh, I didn't know anything about, like, should I call ahead of time or anything? I just went down there. And so the, as I walked in there, and the, the gal at the reception desk said, well, do you have an appointment? I said, no, I'm just here. And do you have a curator? They said, yes. But, well, I had my box. Right. I gave her the box. And she said, well, can you just wait? So I just waited. And then Fred Parker comes out a few minutes later. And he says, hey, these are great. Who are you? <laughs> I said, I don't know. Who are you? I mean, who's the curator? <laughs> and he said, anyway, he said, I just put a show together called California Photographers. I don't want to put you in it. I said, you're kidding. He said, no. So he put a couple of pictures of mine in this show. And it was opening like the next couple of weeks, right? And they didn't even tell me that they were having an opening. I didn't even know that it was an opening. Right. You know? And it was strange. But anyway, because of that show, uh, Fred had seen my pictures and, and it thought of me and thought of Lewis and Terry and it just happened. So yeah. it just started right then. But you know, from that point on, it so it was worked. right after you got back from Vietnam. Yeah. And Pretty I much the next year, right? Yeah. And I started showing in all these little group shows, all kinds of little shows and everything. But um, that's been happening for years. But not not a, a, a one-person show in terms of any museum show. Like when was the first museum show? Well, if you consider uh, a small little show of some black and white pictures at the... Riverside. Um, uh, well, at the university. Well, that's the California Museum of Photography. That was no, thing. no, it wasn't then. I mean, in other words, when I was... Uh, like a university gallery. A university right? gallery. Right. Um, back in 78. 78? Something like 79. Somewhere in there. And that was a small little group show. I mean, a small little group of my pictures. That was it. So if you think about it, it wasn't until uh, I had a show at the uh, Seattle Art Museum, you know, single show. Um, oh, I did have a show, but it was a yeah, it was a show by itself uh, at the Corcoran. Uh, again, a small uh, body of work. Uh, but other than that, it has, except for uh, Vancouver. Vancouver has been the only. Uh, that was a really beautiful show, and ben, Kathleen Bartels. Okay. Yeah. But they did that. I mean, by the way, Kathleen and Jeff Wall, again, they did the show, meaning they selected the picture, did the catalog, did the installation. I didn't do any of it. They right. But they asked me if I wanted to change anything, and I said, looks great. And then Jeff did He's been show. really so influential to so many photographers. I mean, he, he seems to be the guy up there, right? Yes, yes. And the thing is, he saw this book, uh, my book, 
and he, he was he saw this book, and then he contacted me because Kathleen Bartel is the director of the Vancouver Art Gallery. He used to be a mocha, you know. She said uh, she wanted to do some curating, some shows, and she wanted Jeff Wall to help her curate right. some shows. And my show was one of the first shows that they did. So, uh, so now you're working the the idea of the desert. I just wanted to mention because we didn't talk about it at all, and I forgot to ask you, but I'm going to ask you now uh, about the LA River. Oh, the LA River. Uh, the LA River. Yeah. Well, because you did a book on that. Yes. And, and that was. For, it's called everything. Yeah. Everything. And yeah. T talk about that project. The book, the LA River, is because you know when I was a kid, that's where we used to play. I mean. Because I, I was born in Liso Village. You know where Liso Village is? You're going from the old TC, and you go on First Street over the bridge. Oh, yes, yes. Like, have you ever been yes. up to La Serenata? Right. Been to that restaurant? right. Okay, you, when you go over that bridge, and before you go up to Boyle Heights, that's Liso Village. Low-income housing development in there. And that's where I was born. Mm. And that's where I grew up as a kid. And the river is right there. Yes. And we used to go into that river and play. And, you know, as kids, and even go into all the drainages, you know, with, you know, flashlights and torches and like that. So, the LA River is a place, you know, that you might say is my history. And um, one day, when I was back from Rome, I was trying to photograph a building near the LA River, further out, and I couldn't get in this building. And then the river was there, and there was an access to it back where I was, this is a number of years ago, and I said, I had my camera, and I just, in the spur of the moment, went down to the river. That, that, that moment, I just said, oh, I'm going to go down there. And this was the first picture I made that day. This is not a very good reproduction of the print. The print is actually, uh, this is too uh, mm. yellow. What is that? You're looking through water. Mm. This is some kind of form, I don't know if it's metal or cardboard, that it's, you're talking only about that deep, but, but it's something under the water, and I photographed it. This is foam that's going across the mm. water, mm. but you're looking straight down into it. Yeah. I have a print of it, but it's, I'll put it away in, in my storage room right here. But it's a beautiful print. This is a, it's much richer, the actual print. But that's the picture I made. Yeah. So when I made that picture, it started this whole thing. I said, oh, I should do these pictures of uh, all these, whatever you can find, right? But I didn't want to... Especially debris. Yeah, said, yeah, but I didn't want to photograph any kind of views. There's no views here of anything. They're all just... Everything that gets, that gets you know, even, even this. Mm -hmm. Homeless people. That, just stuff that's found. I mean, I didn't change anything. To find a book open like that, you can actually read the text. Yes. You know, it's just stuff that's uh, pictured like that. Just stuff that's right there. A homeless person had thrown this uh, mirror. They threw that in there and it all broke up. Right. You know, so it's just stuff that's... And it, 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 people don't realize that the river looks like it, 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 it's a lot of time to be here, there's no water in Right, the water. right. This is interesting because this homeless guy... They had, he had been cutting his hair. Yes. And I photographed that, and the second I photographed it, the wind blew it all away. Wow. You know, and even finding something like that, that's just about a welfare, about a child, stuff that you couldn't, uh, to me, I thought it was just rich in the sense of uh, people, what they left, this broken watch, 
It's all all there. Mm. Another book. So beautiful. I didn't realize when I was photographing it had my same last name. Mm. Yeah. So it's just this is just a, 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 the pollution in the river. Objects. It's all stuff that gets all washed in. Stuff that's just just the way I found it. You're looking through water there. This is on top. That's actually through. This is just the pollution again. The pornography. All the stuff that was just, to me, just found. Mm. Even the bird. Oh. And the reason it's this way is probably because... Eat, it, probably ate too much plastic or well, something. Well, see, this is actually oil. Oh. But I photograph it with a polarizing filter because, you know, the, the, the black. The, so what this is, this is this reflection on the black of the sky. That's what that is. That's why you got it that way. So the, the, the bird really comes out that way. A polarizing filter just gets rid of the glare, you know. But it changes the color, even an object like that. Just to find the Bible. Mm. I just found all this stuff. You know. Amazing. But anyway, I was very happy with it because it's, it's where I grew up. I played as a kid, you know. So I was very happy to, to do that book. Does it look any better now than it did when you were a kid? Uh, well, it's about the same, really. Yeah. 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 We haven't taken care of our river, have we? No, not at all, really. But anyway, to me, it, it, I was very close to this because, well, because I grew up there and spent a lot of time there. And I think uh, because, you know, the, well, downtown, that just so much concrete. And I've actually walked and gone from uh, Burbank, the river starts here, all the way to Long Beach where it ends. I've covered the whole thing a number of times to make these pictures because, you, again, you know, if you're if you're going over a bridge and you look down the river, it looks like it's concrete, like there's nothing there. But if you actually walk, you discover all this stuff, and it takes time. How did that happen? That the picture of yours ended up on the e-library collection at Lackland? Because um, you know that was a commission. Uh, well, so Uta Clark, myself, Miles Coolidge, oh, oh and uh, Sharon Lockhart. Yes. Yeah, but anyway, what happened? I mean, what, how, how did that come about, that project? Well, Michael really liked my pictures, and he wanted to use that for the cover. That were, uh, so tell us about those pictures. Those, very, those are very abstract. Yeah, look at that one. Amazing. So what, tell me about those. Well, what happened is uh, I started working with this long lens, which is, all this was photographed with a 500-millimeter lens, which is a difficult lens. Notice most people use a telephoto lens, to photograph like sports or wildlife, things like that. I got this lens, kind of a, it's it's a quirky story, but it's, um, I was at a photo store and they just happened to have this perfect lens and I just bought it. I had no idea what I was going to do with it. <laughs> you know, I just, I said, why should I buy this lens? It was a, a good price. And I said, what can I do with this lens? It was a challenge, in other words, how did mm -hmm. you, use this lens. So I started working with it, and and then when this commission came up, I said, well, I was working with that lens. I said, well, I want to try shooting everything with this lens. So how exactly did this commission come up? Did they just... No, Lynn, what's her name, uh, that used to be at Lackland, uh, 
She's the one that came up with the list. I see. Yeah. So she's picked me. She's the head of another museum now. Carnegie. Oh, the Carnegie, right. She went there. But anyway, it was because she was a curator that when they were going to do the BCAM thing, she said, well, we should have somebody, like, you know, do something. Make it Los Angeles, actually. Yeah, do something. So that's, she called me and she hired me and so did, she hired Uta and all that. Right. That's how that happened. But at the end, Michael chose my picture. But I was just using my lens at the same time that I was photographing other things. And I wanted to photograph, I wanted to photograph just the skeleton of the building before mm -hmm. everything else. And I only wanted to use that long lens. Oh, so this is the actual building? This is the actual building. Oh, so this is the, I see. So this is the Beacon yeah. building, I yes. see. Yes, Beacon before, and like all these. I see, I so a, that makes sense. You were shooting yeah. the building, I see. Yeah, all yeah. these. And the reason, the reason I want it back here, the reason that that's blue, that's a sky. Mm. That's a reflection of the sky because you're looking at the inside of the building before it's finished. There's no outside walls here. And so the sun, the light's coming in, and this is a, 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 a metal pole. And it's the highlight of the metal that you would see that's white, but it's reflecting the sky that's outside. Wonderful. Yeah, right. And they're all, you know, and see that picture over the wall, over there, that detail? Mm-hmm. That's one of the. Oh, is that the one? That's B cam. That's a detail inside one of the bathrooms oh. before it's finished. That's just a detail of a wall, a shot with that 500 millimeter inside. So I've just pushed it. Mm. So it's. I have a. a yeah, that, that, that looks like some kind of scientific something. I, I know. It doesn't look like. I couldn't figure out what that yeah, was. Yeah, that's B cam. It's there. Yeah. So. Well, thank you so much. This is really, I've really enjoyed our conversation. <laughs> okay. And um, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much.